This podcast is brought to you by our patrons. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. This is your beer, liquor, and other beverage news for the week of December 21st, 2019. U.S. Senate passes one-year extension of excise tax relief. Legislation advances to president. More employees owning their companies. Since New Belgium doesn't own theirs. Franken whiskey. And how will we label the beer now, though? All this and more on Have a Drink News. Welcome to Have a Drink News, the show where we cover the week's popular news about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. Let's do it. So, the first one, a uh, story Do that's it. been around uh, a few different places now. U.S. Senate passes one-year extension of excise tax relief, and then the legislation advances to the president. So um, <laughs> Can't call them tax breaks. you got to call it tax relief. Yeah. Right. They were buckling under the strain of... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, beer, wine, and spirits companies are a signature away from another year of federal excise tax relief. I had to look up what excise meant, by the way. It's the tax on the products. It, it's, yeah, it's taxes that you, uh, I believe it's taxes you see where incise is like gas tax. Oh, okay. So uh, the U.S. Senate today passed, um, by the way, today means... Uh, As of... We don't even know. Okay, today probably. December 19th. Uh, well, so okay, a couple days ago. Okay. Uh, passed a tax extender package that includes a one-year extension of the tax relief in the Craft Beer Modernization and Tax Reform Act. They got upsold on that on that upcharge, didn't they? They they were like, here we can get you the tow package, and we can get you <laughs> yeah. the tax extender package. Exactly. Yes. So that was uh, slated to expire at the end of 2019, which is you know nowish. Uh, a passage, uh, passage through the Senate comes a couple of days after the tax package passed the House, and in the final hours of the legislative year, the legislation now awaits uh, the President's signature. It says, uh, quote, We are pleased Congress has come together to prevent a $130 million tax increase on our nation's thriving beer industry, which supports more than 2.1 million good-paying jobs, says Jim McCreevy, President and CEO of the Beer Institute. And many more bad-paying jobs. <laughs> yeah. uh, it says, as we enter 2020, we will continue fighting for excise tax relief permanency with the popular bipartisan bicameral question mark? craft beer modernization and tax relief act. Uh, bicameral, uh, two houses. So it's got to go through ah. the House and the Senate. Those are much which is how laws legal work. Legal things, I, I know. <laughs> you know, um, it's, you know they're just, it's, right now it's just a bill. It's just a bill, and it's sitting there on Capitol Hill. Yeah, as soon as you said it, I got it in my head. Okay, uh, the extension of the CBMTRA, uh, was, which was passed into law in 2017 as part of the Tax Cuts and Job Act, that scheduled to sunset at the end of 2019, had been a priority for alcohol industry trade groups such as the BI, Brewers Association, Distilled Spirits Council of the U United States, Discuss, well, really... Uh, the American Craft Spirits Association, Wine America, the Wine Institute, and the U.S. Association of Cider Makers, which is apparently a thing that exists. <laughs> if signed by the president, the extender would keep in place through December 31st, 2020. And Couldn't bring yourself to say it, could you? I still can't. 
uh, an excise tax rate of $3.50 per barrel, a reduction from $7 per barrel on the first 60,000 barrels for domestic brewers, producing fewer than 2 million barrels annually. Again, not a bill that helps Anheuser-Busch, mm -hmm. explaining why you don't see their name in there. Yeah, like they, they couldn't be any bigger. Uh, the legislation also sets the federal tax or federal excise tax to $16 per barrel on the first 6 million barrels for all other brewers and beer importers while maintaining the $18 per barrel excise tax for brewers producing more than 6 million barrels. It's your uh, graduated uh, beer income tax. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, the savings can be significant, especially for companies who are struggling with slowing growth. For example, a beer company making 20,000 barrels annually, its federal excise tax bill would be cut in half from 140000 to $70,000. So, kind of a that's big deal. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a lot of savings. It's, you know, it's still, though, like... Yeah, you hear like all these groups being like, "Oh yeah, no, they're all on board for it." Like, yeah, no, that, that checks out. I was like, I "Wonder why Anheuser Busch isn't over <laughs> whatever you're still paying the, they the amount you were paying before." Yeah. Oh, because <laughs> they were probably lobbying against this. Yeah. Uh, or, or they're, they're just all... like ambivalent. I don't know. No, I could see them lobbying against it, trying to get them to fail so they could buy them up. Like, hey, those taxes getting you guys? Well, if we bought you. And no way to make all your tax problems go away. Oh god, Anheuser Bush is gonna murder us. Oh no, no, we were just gonna Okay, never mind then. Guess we could also just have them killed, yeah. That always works. Stop giving them ideas. So I guess uh that kinda transitions? Yeah. Uh, a way some breweries have been dealing with uh these taxes and uh bills that are hard to pay is by going the ESOP route. Indeed. I mean, this I mean, we we've heard. I think we talked about one going, going to this model last week, didn't we? Uh, yes, Rheingeist. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Rheingeist uh, at the beginning of January is going ESOP, and now we have Arizona's Barrio Brewing to implement a hundred percent ESOP in January. Donkey Brewing. <laughs> Dennis and Towna Arnold. Or Tana. Tana Arnold. Uh, owners of Tucson, Arizona's based Barrio Brewing announced plans Tuesday to sell 100% of their company to employees in a self-funded employee stock ownership plan. Speaking to Brewbound, where we source the story, Dennis Arnold said that he and his wife decided the time was right for them to step away from the daily operations of the business, but were leery of selling the operation to an outside party. We saw what mm. happens in sales. Everything gets changed. People get fired. Uh, we've had people come and make all kinds of offers, and we just couldn't see it. Could not that's, see that being our way out. That's that's interesting. I, I wasn't thinking about this as, as their way of retiring. I just thought they were like, oh, yeah, and then we'll own a certain portion. You guys will own a certain portion, and we'll all be happy. It's No, we're, we're selling 100% of it. They're like, it's, it's our out. <laughs> yeah. We done. Uh, instead, the Arnolds decided to implement the SOP that will turn 100% of the 28-year-old business over to the employees starting in January 2020. Unlike other companies that have implemented ESOPs, the Arnolds financed the deal themselves and will not roll out the transition over several years. <laughs> we had no debt 
we could self-finance and <laughs> it was my wife and I making the decisions. So there weren't a lot of barriers that a lot of businesses have wanting to go this route. That's pretty neat. Just just to finally go, yeah, yeah, let's just let's just do it. Well, when there's let's... two owners, that's it. You don't yeah. owe money to anybody. You can just look at each other and go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that easy. Uh, employees who have worked a thousand hours in a year or about 20 hours each week are automatically enrolled in the program. Shares will become fully vested after five years of employment. Arnold said uh, he intended for the ESOP to benefit Barrio's longer tenured employees. Barrio employees 70 people with about 50 full-time workers. It's for the hmm. guys in the kitchen and the management in the brewery and the people who were with us a long time. So we're super happy to be able to do that. With that many people, uh, I like to imagine like they probably knew all of those people. Yeah. At least could recognize them. Like, you know, like, oh, yeah, he looks... I don't remember his name off the top of my head, but I know he works for us. Well, they're saying that they're doing this to step away from day-to-day -day operations. So, yeah, they know all these people. Yeah. Uh, and uh, employees who leave Barrio must sell back their shares in an effort to keep the shares with active employees. That makes sense. I mean... So you gotta cash yeah, out. You gotta be dedicated, leave. you know. Arnold has hired an accounting firm to revalue the company annually to provide an accurate valuation for shares. Barrio has also appointed financial advisor Miguel... Uh, Paredes? Paredes? Miguel! <laughs> as the SOP's trustee. Meanwhile, Arnold will sit on the company's board of directors for five years. Additionally, Barrio has uh, hired 18-year industry veteran Jamie Dickman as its chief operating officer on October 14th. Dickman, who previously worked at Golden Eagle Distributors in Tucson, Arizona, will lead the daily operations of the company. It's quite enlightening and really makes me feel good about where we're leading. Does it feel so good? <laughs> Apparently it does. <laughs> yeah, it goes on and on, but you don't... No one needs any more about this, really. It's I mean, just, I, I, I'm interested in raw numbers, but... <laughs> it, it's a I'm lot nerd. more numbers. <laughs> it's some pretty raw, raw numbers. I mean, Eddie Murphy's in these numbers. <laughs> oh, man. He's saying a lot of hurtful things <laughs> that he's probably going to regret in 20 to 30 years. So it is, I mean, ESOP is it's the option. It's how these breweries, once they hit, like, the regional level, because something Casey talked about uh, years ago, years ago, like last year. Um, <laughs> Sometimes. Time has no meaning any go anymore. No, it seems it doesn't. But Casey brought it up that, you know, these regional level breweries are going to start experiencing the hardest time growing. And it yeah. seems to be this has been the answer, is when you get to this level, you either have to take on investors to push push the brewery past the regional boundaries, or you're going to have to go ESOP. Like, you've got to raise the money somehow. And it seems, because before it used to be taking on investors. And now it feels like uh, they're just turning them over to the company, or over to the employees. Let the employees pretty much pay for <laughs> the next level. And then when it, that becomes not the best option anymore. We're starting to see these breweries fold into one another. Yeah, and it's... I don't know. I mean, we, we 
like you were saying, we, we've already mentioned that, yeah, they're, they're at the stage where you have to figure out what you're doing. But, I mean, this is a pretty nice option, though, compared to, you know, bending the, bending the knee, as it were. The... <laughs> Bend the knee. Is that how we're going to see this? Is, uh, is ABM Bev the Danny of... No, I feel like... Claiming it's liberating the world when actually it's just enslaving it slowly. Oh, man. What if Boston Beer turns evil? (laughs) What if Boston Beer looks up at a smaller brewery and just says, Dracaris? I mean... (laughs) Give me time and we could could work this analogy in. It would be be nice. But, uh, I don't know. Find a way to transition that one. <laughs> uh, you know who didn't bend the knee? Who? Actually, it probably did. It's in, it's Centauri. No, beam Centauri. Bent. <laughs> you just said Beam Centauri. Consider the knee bent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, they have come up with a new product. If it were all excited, uh, whenever they come out with something, what sort of impressive Japanese whiskey is it? Well, it's not. It's a whiskey for the Indian market, and it is. <laughs> they look like cologne for... bottles. Uh, it's pulled from uh, the spiritbusiness.com, but created by Suntory's chief blender Shinji Fu- Fuyuko. Fukuyo, uh, the brand uh, which they now call uh, Oaksmith, uh, will be available in two variants. Uh, Oaksmith and Oaksmith Gold. What is it? It's apparently a Scotch and Bourbon blend. Strong. Uh, Strong. <laughs> uh, the new launch aligns with Beams on Tory's ambition to reach 1 billion U.S. dollar sales in India by 2030, and the key to this firm's growth strategy is in the market. Uh, well, yeah, because if you try to market that in the EU or... The Americas, they're just going to pour that crap down the drain. That's a big pitch work out there. (laughs) Uh, I imagine someone would be like, look what I've made. And they went, hmm, very good. This will not be sold in the United States. Why not? They'll kill us. (laughs) They make bourbon there. We can't do this. (laughs) It's like, why can't we do it? It's in our constitution. In addition to not having a military, we cannot make. (laughs) Uh... But no, they, it's said to combine the, quote, best of the East and West in a bottle. Oaksmith blends imported Scotch malt whiskey, bourbon, and grain spirits and is aged at least four years in American oak barrels. The oak barrels inspire the name of the brand on the round bottle labels. Uh, while making this blend, I wanted to ensure that it resonated specifically with Indian audiences while being truly international in its spirit, uh, explained the, uh, the blender. Uh, yeah, Chief Blender. Uh, I traveled across the country to understand the different food cultures and flavors. Man, that just sounds like a really nice vacation that he had, and he just came back and going, all right, let's try to make this. And that's what happens after you have vacations when you're super rich. Look what, I mean, George Clooney. Like, oh, I keep going on, I have a vacation home next to my buddy here. We enjoy drinking tequila. Hey. (laughs) Wait, I like tequila. You like tequila. Did we just become best friends? Let's build a house next to each other. Uh, well, the uh, 
The whiskey is described as rich on the nose yet approachable and well balanced on one's palate with bright, smooth, and unexpectedly long finish. That tells me nothing. No, it's it's what they just described is possibly an Irish whiskey with a bite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, housed in a six-sided bottle with a tall neck, its uh, ergonomic design plays a tribute to Japanese craftsmanship. Uh, in addition, Beam Suntory's house uh, of Suntory portfolio includes Japanese whiskeys, uh, Yamazaki Distiller Reserve, Hibiki Japanese Harmony, and Roku Jin. Uh, coming Roku. to a TV soon. Roku Jin. <laughs> Uh, which they have, those have been launched in India. Uh, the new brand will be available in all major cities, including Delhi, Mumbai, Pune? Pune? I don't know how to say, I, I, there's, there's one that I'm looking at going, I don't know the name of that city. You I'm have probably made, saying it wrong. Made a Pune. A Pune, yeah. Uh, Hyderabad and Bangalore. Uh, the launch reinforces the company's commitment to lead the growth in uh, premiseration of the Indian spirit market. Premiumization. Premiumization. Look, sorry, we're... those letters did not form together like Voltron. <laughs> we're just they... making up words at this point. Uh, but well, it messes, yeah, it messes uh, you up because there's an S in there, and I think it's supposed to not be an S. <laughs> uh, well, it's written to a place that speaks English that was only relatively speaking recently not a clo British colonial thing. They haven't quite figured out the Z yet. Yeah. So I've got to say that the name uh, Oaksmith just makes me think that uh, that we would all know that name much better had there been a simple twist in history uh, back in the Tolkien universe. Mm. <laughs> if Oakenshield had uh, if, his, if his line had not gone that way. Right. I really... There's no, I can't unsee the bottle of uh, the bottle aftershave. Of yeah, that the like green. it is dead on the gold one. It's, it's a green bottle. Yeah, it <laughs> looks like a bottle of brute. So, I mean, the other one's fine, but yeah, no, the green one, just no. <laughs> Oaksmith Gold is in a green bottle, while the gold one is in a clear bottle, and it looks more golden. With silver packaging, everything's wrong, right. you guys. Everything is wrong. Black is white, uh, up is down, and short is long. God, scotch and, and scotch and brandy are the same thing, apparently. <laughs> to I am intrigued about how this would taste, honestly. But yeah, still, it's can they if they made it though? Can they even say that it's bourbon? They or are using. They are matter? blending the spirits of bourbon and. Okay. Okay. Uh, so they they have taken existing bourbon. It sounds like and existing. Okay, uh, I, I guess I misunderstood because it sounded like he he did he made it himself in Japan. I was like, well, yeah, they could have shipped shipped some. Japan has a way yeah. of getting bourbon. It's called Four Roses. <laughs> <laughs> it's called buying up all the Buffalo Trace before it even hits shelves in the U.S. They don't have to. They can get it straight from the source. They Japan owns most of our. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, correct. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, I, I could see them being able to get their hands on that and then, you know, having some, they probably own some scotch brands too, if I'm not mistaken, and they can just probably. take those, do whatever they want to the individual things and bring them back to blend them and age them 
probably with something a a a, a middle grain a neutral grain spirit to kind of just give it a base and then go here we go we have i don't know i'm not a distiller i'm just spitballing ideas don't you lie <laughs> for legal reasons i'm not a distiller <laughs> for illegal reasons come play red dead redemption online <laughs> They just released a moonshining patch, and that's all I could think oh, of. Oh, God. <sighs> okay, well, I don't know where to go with that. <laughs> uh, Speaking well, of labels that can look weird, <laughs> I don't know. Um, beer bottles could lose their paper labels. Hmm? This is a story you didn't really expect for at any point in time. Uh, and it comes from AB InBev. Uh, just the perfect title for this could have been Papers, Please. Oh, what are they doing? Okay. Um, <laughs> so AB InBev has developed a new system for printing directly on beer bottles. So uh, producing customized beer labels is expensive. Adhesive labels are a much simpler way to brand your beverage. Print them, slap them on the side of any bottle, and there you go. But AB InBev is testing a labeling method that combines the flexibility of a printed label with some of the wow factor of customized bottles. It reduces the use of raw materials in the process. Direct object printing not only prints directly on beer bottles, but also can use digital embossing to give bottles a tactile sensation. This printing method is getting its first major trial in uh, this month, and if all goes well, it could become one of the brewing giant's new go-to design methods. Um, so it says it developed direct object printing in-house. Uh, they're already oh like other breweries are already doing this <laughs> like I, I stop and think what comes like people who are printing directly on bottles rogue has been doing it for years they print directly on the bombers well i wonder if they've just it's just a different method of doing it that maybe saves more is otherwise like it doesn't it does seem like it'd be a, an odd like news story um, i think just the fact that abm bev is Right, it. because and the thing is, it, is they're the ones. It's kind of like, sadly, it's kind of like when Apple comes out with stuff, and it's like, yeah, that's been around for ages now, and it's like, yeah, but now that there's, <laughs> now that they've done it, there's going to be more of it. <laughs> now that the giant has, yeah, decided to do it, everyone goes, oh, it's amazing, and everyone else looks around, going, we've been doing this for years, but now there's going to be more stuff for it. <laughs> Look, that's been Apple's business model since the Apple II. Yeah, and it's it's worked well. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> um, so I, I'm just trying to see, like, so what the what the exact thing is, because it's a, you know it goes on about pioneering technology, blah blah blah. Because um, as it combines, there's digital a lot of green bottles here. I know. Uh, it's well, it's Bex is what they have yeah. in the picture. Old Bex. Um, so I've seen, yeah. So these look like like these are straight up like colored. I guess I've seen the embossing thing, and I think, of course, that's you know that's your label, that's what you do. But like, it does look a little different than I've seen otherwise. Uh, I'm looking at that picture, realizing I've not seen a bottle of Bex in a while. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> like these are all different. Um, Bex. Now there's a beer I've not had in a long, long time. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so uh, while having the ink and varnish applied directly to the glass for a no-label look is different than most beer brands' bottles. Applied um, directly to the glass. <laughs> applied, applied directly to the glass. 
Uh, it says digital embossing is one of the most unusual capabilities of the technology. Colorless ink is used to mimic traditional glass embossing, bringing a new dimension to bottle decoration. Consumers will feel and experience a bottle in a completely different way. So it's yeah, so yeah, it's a different method than what we're used to, basically, um, which I guess still does less waste as far as producing the but labeling. But do I need but to be experiencing my beer bottles in new ways? I don't think it's as much of that as it is like, look, like we're fine, we're doing a thing that's less waste because that's kind of the tr- the thing right now in hell, any industry. But, but my question is, what will I do when I become awkwardly bored in a social situation and I have <laughs> I a bottle of beer? Yeah. I have nothing to peel off now. That's what, true. <laughs> what would this have done to Frank Abagnale? <laughs> right. <laughs> Who notoriously tore the labels off it. Uh, it says, oh, also, so the new labeling technology is also just as recyclable as the glass it's printed on due to the high melting temperatures used in recycling. So um, nothing gets in the way there, which is nice. Um, I don't think there's so much recycling that ink as they are just burning it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it has a low burning point. Like its burning point is below the melting point of it's the like, glass. Look, we're, re- we're recycling. Okay. It goes so into the air. <laughs> Here it talks about um, the where it go- where it's going essentially to start. Uh, so bottles produced with this method are currently getting their first major commercial rollout in the UK. Uh, the limited edition Beck Artist series will be 200,000 bottles of beer featuring nine different bottle designs. Hence the d- the weird we're like oh we haven't seen okay. Beck in a while. Yeah. Um, <laughs> after that, these no label bottles could start hitting other markets around the globe soon. In the next years, um, the digital object printing will grow and have its own spot in the current labeling techniques landscape. I don't know. I think it's neat. Like, if, if they've found a way to, to make it a little more sustainable and or even economically efficient, then yay. And it, yeah. it kind of looks cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I would it's miss nice the, like, the when there's like that then. stuff like literally just on the bottle. You don't have to. It's just, I don't know. I, <laughs> I peel things off off bottles that's what i do right like I, I do get that part when you said that i'm like yeah that's a good point like people would actually miss that but the you, bottles look cool i don't know i mean the bottle would be textured you could just sit there and awkwardly rub it like that's a good yeah. way to end an awkward social situation it's just you're caressing this bottle <laughs> they just turn around they just see me just rubbing my hands up and down the bottle working the neck <laughs> there's like you're very sensually uh going at that bottle I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I speaking dare you of, to, <laughs> I dare you to transition. Speaking of caressing cans and bottles, no, just speaking of essentially producing bottles and whatnot <laughs> in barrels. <laughs> anyway, uh. <laughs> No, never mind. Moving away from bottles, let's go to cans, which are propelling Allagash Brewing to more than 100,000 barrels produced in 2019. I mean, good for them. Yeah. Allagash uh, Brewing uh, Company is, excuse me, estimates its sale volume surpassed 100,000 barrels mark in 2019 due to its packaging its flagship Allagash White and River Trip Session Ale in cans for the first time. Uh, a huge chunk of our growth comes uh, is coming through Kansas last year. Uh, sales director Naomi Neville told Rubound, which is where we source this, uh, we only have 16 
ounce uh, four can four pack cans in two different brands. So it's not like we started with a whole different versions of cans, uh, a lot of different versions of cans. The a successful regional introduction in 2019, the Portland uh, Maine-based craft brewery announced uh, plans today to expand its distribution of canning options into additional markets and the additional uh, addition of 12 packs because got to do larger packs. 12 packs? What about what is it, uh, that Founders? 15 packs? <laughs> Founders is doing the... What packs? I can't like. They decided to come with like the nineteen pack or just some really weird stuff. Because founders. Well, Paps has their ninety nine pack, don't they? Fair. They got ninety nine beers. That's oh, no. only <laughs> Paps. But a good one ain't one. Uh, <laughs> nice. Got there eventually. Uh, anyway, after rolling out Allagash White and River Trip in uh, in cans uh, in Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont. Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island, New Jersey, and New York in the spring, uh, and then added Virginia, Illinois, Washington, D.C. in the fall. Those offerings should now be sold throughout Allagash's 17-state footprint by February 2020. Uh, so that means California, Georgia, North Carolina, and South Carolina will receive the can packs in January, with mid-Atlantic states of Delaware, Maryland, and Pennsylvania receiving them in February. Uh, so, yeah, plus there's more places that's going to be getting uh, more other packs, but it just, oh, that they, Neville's tells Brewbound as well, it just opens up a lot of doors to us, places we've never been before. Hopefully the 12-pack will get more space in coolers now that the 16-ounce cans have proven themselves. Uh, oh, yeah, because they are, like, the slightly bigger cans. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I actually, I had uh, one of the, the taller cans of Founders Session, uh, uh, Founders All-Day IPA. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when I was at the movies this past week, and <laughs> I was having some back pain, and I just my beer had showed up, and I went, "I need a hundred cc's of beer, stat." <laughs> it's the perfect size can for, especially for the Aldi IPA. I mean, it just makes sense. Yeah, like I'm kind of going through. That, I was like, "Oh, I don't feel like I really kind of have to rush it that much. I got more beer to go." But I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." Uh, so like these these bigger cans, I'm uh, I'm I'm a forum. I believe. When it comes down to it, we're all a four bigger cans. <laughs> uh, well, uh, apparently uh, data research from uh, IRI added Allagash's uh, white cans are the number one selling item in the craft beer category in the Northeast. So we're even in the top ten if you don't account for just craft. Uh, if you don't just account for craft, you know, there's a lot of seltzers in the top ten. That's only going to get worse. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's those are pretty good numbers since Allagash is the 30th largest craft brewery in the country. Wow. I mean, that's, so. not, that's not terribly far down, considering. <laughs> no, considering that's your number of them, that's, that, that, that still has them, like, pretty, way up in the good. higher higher levels of stuff. But the 30th being, like, number one in, or being top ten in, uh... uh in, yeah, in that region. Yeah. So... Well done. It's pretty good. Uh, oh, in addition to that, they're pl they're planning to release uh, specialty beer in cans through its footprint, uh, uh, starting in March with Cross Path, a Belgian-style golden ale brewed with granola from Maine's Grandy Oats. Ooh. Also, I do kind of love the name Grandy Oats. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like... <that's amazing. laughs> well done. <laughs> uh, 
I have made a pune. Uh, yes, sir. I caught it. Um, I'm absolutely dying on the inside. So it's a uh, main show reference. So. Anyway, uh, but yeah, it's it's pretty big, pretty big deal for them. Uh, it's also, I don't know if it's a big deal, but it's a weird deal. Uh, got some vodka news. Yeah. So we've got. We had uh, a whiskey drink. <laughs> we had a lager drink. Now it's time for a vodka drink. Exactly. So uh, we have the world's first carbon negative vodka. Possibly. Okay. <laughs> About two years ago, uh, Gregory Constantine, a former spirits executive, co founded Air Co. with uh, <laughs> Stafford Sheenan, a Yale PhD who developed the technology, uses solar power to capture excess carbon from the air and convert it into alcohol. That's amazing. <laughs> Okay, this sounds stu- This sounds closer to like free energy devices than I want it to sound like. <laughs> it like sounds... it draws power from the universe itself. That's not how. Not what the second law of thermodynamics says is possible. It's like a perpetual motion device. You're like, oh yeah, it sounds amazing on paper. Too bad it's impossible. Right. Uh, Brooklyn-based Airco says the new product is the world's first carbon-negative vodka, as well as the cleanest, healthiest, and highest quality vodka on the market. It's made from just carbon dioxide and water, and claims to improve the air and redefine conscious consumption. Okay, I was How is it made from just CO2 and water? Look, ask Russia. If a potato's not involved, mm. it's just not the same. Constantine and Sheenan told Beverage Daily that the process removes one pound of carbon per bottle from the atmosphere, while traditional vodka fermentation methods emit about 13 pounds of carbon per bottle. So they needed to make 13 of their bottles for every single bottle yeah. of <laughs> vodka made. Yeah. Like, I just imagine they're looking at... Uh, uh, not even Stoli. It wasn't I think enough. Like Absolute or someone and just going like, You madman! You yeah. have to stop! <laughs> yeah. Uh, they said it uses the same principles as photosynthesis in plants, but more efficiently. What? What horse crap am I reading? <laughs> it's more efficient than photosynthesis. Oh? <laughs> Spirits category is one that we know and it's uh, that it's that it is ripe for disruption. Vodka is one of the most oversaturated markets. Well, without an emphasis on innovation, our long-term goal is to develop our own brand products in each category where we see an opportunity to disrupt the existing infrastructure. Within the consumer lifestyle space, this could mean fragrances, home cleaning, and more. No. So, so uh, it, like, oh man, I had a nasty spill on my clothes. I'll just pour a little bit of vodka on that. That'll take that right out. So no, this is like, uh, this is the reverse of what vodka is, because you can get a vodka flavored to anything, or to smell like anything, mm-hmm. and so now you're just gonna, it's just reverberating back. It's, oh, what was it that it's, it's the Doritos thing, like where they decided, oh, we're gonna make Doritos flavored tacos, and then Mountain Dew jumps in it, and they're like, let's make a Doritos flavored Mountain Dew. Cool. 
Let's make a mountain. They're too busy Virginia. asking if they could. <laughs> they were too busy to ask if they should. All right, God, I'll make that sound clip. <laughs> <sighs> I, I want it I, so I want this to be real I want everything they're saying to be completely real. like no we've developed a technology that can you know turn alcohol production into this right I'm just I don't know what they're saying they're making it from okay hold on, hold on. there's a section down here uh, to skip ahead a bit it says in choosing an eco-friendly spirit consumers must consider all factors in the agricultural industry produces barley, agave, potatoes, grapes, and more, all result in water waste and carbon emissions from shipping, and most alcohol production uses a lot of heat energy. This, they yeah. never explain exactly what it is. I mean, ad ad admittedly, they don't want to tell anyone how they did it, but at least let me know that it's made with something, because <laughs> you can't get alcohol from water and CO2. They found. Wow, this says the brand has received awards for its distilling methods from NASA, United Nations, and X Prize. What? Alright. So if why do they not give like give this away and save the world? Because they don't want to save the world. They wanna make money. You saw the use <laughs> of the word disrupt, right? That's yeah. used by people who don't want to help. I've got to Google this now. <laughs> What's that? I'm googling this comp like I something's oh, not okay. right. <laughs> What's better yeah, is her I, phone heard I, her say I, that <laughs> word and <laughs> activated. You rang. Oh no. It's becoming self-aware. And uh, drink broke. Uh, doesn't uh, look like it. Because you're opening more pages. Yeah. No? Stream's still it, going. It, it's, it was on our end, really. Oh, okay. Yeah. Alright, uh... Edit this in. I just... Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I want to say I'm interested to try it, but it's only going to be sold in New York City, and it's like $65 a bottle. That's yeah. It's a I, lot to pay for non-alcohol. I just don't like <laughs> vodka that much anyway, so... I don't know. Look, vodka is meant to be put into mixers. It's not meant to be consumed on its own. If what they say is true about it, it should give you a clean drunk. Like, it's one of those things, it should be like the legendary, you know, liquor you can drink and not get a hangover. Technically, oh, it feels God. like that's the case with that. You ever hear that fella who says I can drink 15 lagers and wake up feeling <laughs> fresh as a... Oh. I hate him. <laughs> Alright, no, all, no. the, all the references best parts when uh, Rid Coley is talking about all of his excessive drinking and how he always feels fine the next morning and then he, he like just he, comes up and beats he, him he lunges at him <laughs> all right spoilers for the uh, for the main show the main show yeah sorry we're, we're we're very prone to fall down that rabbit hole God, so we, we should probably a, uh, in that case can we just have a main uh, drunk talk episode on uh, dress to kill <laughs> I mean we could just start at the beginning and go to the end that's Oh man, now I kind of want to do an episode where we just sit back, we watch the special, and you know, just record us talking along with it. I think you can do that like a watch with me thing. Yeah. Um, you know, like a riff tracks. Yeah. Drunk tracks. Oh. Tracks. Okay, sorry. 
Well, on that note, uh, we'd like to remind everyone that this is our news-only show, but we also do a weekly long-form show, speaking of which, discussing the science and history around what you drink. If you like what you hear and you want to support Have a Drink, please go to patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. And we will see you again next time. Have a good <laughs> Give me a drink. Uh, once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> <laughs>